0: Fight Back with Libby Zneimer on Zuma Radio.
1: Welcome back. Where you live has a direct impact on your risk of a heart attack or stroke. That is the startling conclusion of a massive new study published in the Canadian Medical Association Journal. It found that people in northern Ontario faced nearly double the levels of cardiovascular health issues compared to residents around Toronto. I guess it's good news maybe, if you uh, live here in the Toronto area. Uh, But what does this mean and what are the reasons behind this? I'm on the line with Dr. Chi-Ming Chow, attending staff cardiologist at St. Michael's Hospital. Welcome
2: Dr. Chow. Oh, hi, good afternoon. Well, what do you make of this report? Well, yeah. I mean, right now we we do know that uh, uh, the medical resources, as well as expertise, and also family doctors, are not uh, necessarily distributed equally uh, among uh, so-called urban. Versus rural regions. So, most of the doctors, um, especially the younger ones, they tend to gravitate uh, towards the um, uh, urban centers uh, for various reasons uh, because of affiliation with uh, larger hospitals or, uh, or where they trained, and also uh, maybe better schooling for children, so on and so forth. So, it's uh, less uh, family doctors or specialists actually go out uh, in, in uh, more remote regions to practice. And uh, so, that may actually lead to the uh, difference in access to care. So uh, this particular study do uh, show that uh, people who who have more frequent visits in terms of prevention uh, with their family doctors uh, or primary care physicians, uh, they're they're less likely to suffer a heart attack or stroke.
1: Okay. So uh, basically, this all comes down uh, to prevention. I mean, it was interesting. This study tracked five and a half million middle aged people over four years, and none of them had a history of cardiovascular disease. They were, you know, between 40 and 79 years old. So, can you just explain how this comes down uh, to prevention?
2: So, um the study um, does show that people who uh, visit the family doctor more often are less likely to have heart disease uh, or stroke. Um, part of it is because we do know that um, uh, the risk factors uh, that contribute to heart, heart attack and stroke uh, are sometimes hiding, and we may not know that. And the sooner we find them uh, and modify them or treat them, then the less likely uh, that we can't, uh, uh, we're going to have heart attack or stroke, So meaning that we can actually prevent them.
1: Okay, I'm going to give the numbers out again. I'd like to hear from people on whether they have regular checkups and also if they have questions about what the right things to monitor are to avoid heart disease, what you have to be on top of. I'm on the line with Dr. Chi-Ming Chow. Uh, the numbers to call, 416-360-0740, toll-free 866 740 We're talking about a startling Uh, report uh, based on a very big study which shows that where you live has a big impact on your risk of heart disease or stroke and it comes down to prevention it comes down to staying on top of uh, your risk factors so uh, doctor just please go over what the risk factors what the things that people could should be checking on a regular basis.
2: Yeah. So the risk factors that are uh, contributing to developing heart disease and stroke, um, they are the common ones that we all know. Uh, just to remind everyone, is basically uh, the older we are, uh, the more likely we could have uh, heart disease and stroke. Uh, by being male is also put us as a risk factor and uh, also certain ethnic groups such as South Asian uh as well as Afro Caribbean uh also put you at higher stroke as well as uh, a minted uh uh Canadian as well. Uh and then uh in terms of risk factor that we can modify it, uh, basically uh, hyperpressure, pressure, diabetes, uh cholesterol, smoking, uh as well as uh, uh not being physically active, as well as uh being overweight or being obese.
1: Mm-hmm. So all things uh, that most
2: people know about, but that can be very difficult to change. Exactly. And also some of these um, uh, risk factors are uh, not having symptoms. Uh, So you may have them and you may not uh, even know about it. For example, many patients uh, may have hyperpressure or diabetes, uh, or cholesterol issues, uh, and they may not even know about it. And by going to your family doctor and have them check uh, on a regular basis, especially when you're 40 or above, especially uh, when you have a family history uh, of heart diseases and stroke at an uh, earlier age uh, among your family members, then those are the people that should go to the family doctors and have them check uh, regularly.
1: And uh, is it? I believe it's true that a lot of people actually have diabetes and don't know.
2: Yeah, I mean, not everybody has uh, symptoms with diabetes, especially when it's in a very early stage. So uh, we, we check that by uh, doing the blood pressure, uh, by doing the blood uh, cholesterol uh, as well. Uh, we check them actually by doing the blood glucose uh, when you're fasting, as well as checking uh, this number called A1C, which reflects your glucose over a uh, 3 months period and then uh, we can make a diagnosis of uh, diabetes uh, or pre-diabetes uh, before you start having symptoms.
1: Okay, uh, let's take a couple of calls. We've got Frank in Downsview. Hi, Frank.
3: Hi, Ben Libby. Uh, I had a bypass surgery. Mm-hmm. I had the vagina. Uh, uh I retired, and uh, four months later, <laughs> I was in uh, Mount Sinai Hospital, and uh, it was... Uh, because of stress. I'm, I'm having regular, every month I'm going to my family doctor. Good for you. And uh, I want to ask the doctor, my, uh, I have problems with my platelets. Uh, my mm-hmm. platelets are so low that yeah. I have to have transfusion. Right. And I wonder if anything has to do with my heart.
2: Yeah, so uh, we do have patients who have uh, issues with their platelet, especially when they have autoimmune uh, system uh, issues that uh, uh, affect the platelet production or, or being destroyed uh, more prematurely. Um, it, it, uh, it's a situation we run into every now and then, uh, and it becomes a problem, especially after heart attacks. Uh, there are certain medications such as aspirin or anti-platelet medication uh, becomes important to prevent heart attack. And um, these platelets, despite you don't have a lot of them, uh, they're not functioning the same. So it uh, becomes a, a challenge in terms of whether we could give you aspirin or not. So it's better to check with your uh, family doctor as well as your uh, blood doctor, the hematologist, about whether you, you could be or safely uh, being on these anti agents uh, to prevent uh, future heart attacks.
3: Well, uh, my platelets, my highest is around 80, which uh, okay.
2: it's not bad. And, yeah. Which I,
3: I heard that uh, a normal person has uh, 120. Yep. And uh, right. sometimes it goes down to 60. That's when I have to have a transfusion. Right. Yeah, Instead, so we,
2: we, yeah we do run into that uh, uh, situation. And uh, it's better to check with your family doctor as well as your hematologist about uh, whether you could be safely put on aspirin or not. Okay. Well, I am on
3: aspirin, uh, one day okay. at, uh, okay.
1: one, no, a day. Okay, Frank, okay. thanks for your call.
2: Okay. Bye-bye. Thank Bye-bye. Thank you.
1: Okay, uh, we've got uh, Marion in Scarborough uh, wants to ask about atrial fibrillation, which, uh, of course, is a, a risk of stroke, right? Yep.
4: Mary? Indeed. Oh, yeah. Hi, Libby. Hi, Dr. Chow. Thank you. Hello. Um, I was recently diagnosed at the beginning of December, actually, uh, with Atrial fibrillation, so it's new to me. I don't know much about it. Um, is it genetic? And will this be with me for the rest of my life? I'm on medication now, but I, I guess it's a trial thing because what I'm on now is not working. Dissoprolol?
2: Yes, bisoprolol, which is a oh, beta okay. block. I can't there. even pronounce it. <laughs> yeah, they're not easy to pronounce. <laughs> yeah. And it's an agent to slow down your heart rate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, atrial fibrillation is a very common problem. It affects about uh, 350,000 uh, Canadians. Um, the older we are, the more likely uh, our heart will get out of sync. So, usually, you know, by the time we are 40 years old, give uh, or take, uh, the chance of having atrial fibrillation is about one in a thousand or less.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: But
2: uh, when you get up to about 70 or 80, mm-hmm. uh, then the chance of having atrial fibrillation goes up to about one in 10.
4: Wow. So, yeah. I didn't know it was that high. Wow. Yeah, I turned seventy nine in december yeah
2: yeah so 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 if you you know talk to all your friends at about uh, give or take eighty years old mm-hmm. uh, one one in ten or uh, two in ten uh, you know uh, we we actually have this problem just because our heart has been working really hard over this year, mm-hmm. they, they actually get our sync. or we uh, the common risk factors uh, one of them is age, the mm-hmm. other one is hyper pressure, mm-hmm. and also we have younger people who have a sleep apnea. Uh, or when they sleep, they start like snoring a lot and and mm-hmm. stop breathing. That's another risk factor. And another risk factor among younger people is actually uh, drinking as well. So those are the the big ones uh, that we encounter.
4: Mm-hmm. And so, uh,
2: most in, mm, the most important thing about atrial fibrillation uh, are two aspects. One of them is some patients have symptoms or so they feel unwell. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the, the 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 symptom has to be controlled by medication such as the one you're taking. Mm-hmm. Or as well as patients when they are older, especially about sixty five. Uh, and uh, then, or, and with other risk factors such as hyperpressure, diabetes, heart failure, or previous strokes, then we have to consider putting them on blood thinner. They are also known as anticoagulants.
4: Oh, yeah, so those I'm are on Eloquist now.
2: Yes, <laughs> that's uh, one of the good uh, new uh, anticoagulants.
4: Yeah, so, that's for uh, fear so it, of um, clotting. But yeah, so, yes. I guess this is with me for the rest of my life, eh? Medication and that. Yeah, usually, and, uh,
2: yeah, usually when people. Yeah, are older when they develop atrial it's hard to get rid of. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, because, like, usually it's because of the age yeah. aspect of it. Uh, so they're not, um, yeah, they're not uh, like a risk factor like, such as high blood pressure or alcohol that can be reversed. Yeah. So, but- So they tend to, most of my patients at that age uh, who have atrial fibrillation tend to uh, take anticoagulant for the rest of their life. Right. Yeah. uh, As well as, uh, you know, taking certain medications to prevent the heart rate from going very fast.
1: Mm -hmm. Uh, Can I ask you something, doctor? Excuse me, I just, so I know with a lot of other medications is that if you've been on a medication for a long time, sometimes uh, people try to take you off the medication. So is that not the case with atrial fibrillation?
2: Yeah, there are different uh, conditions. For example, you know, if you have a blood pressure uh, situation or cholesterol situation or diabetes or atrial fibrillation, those are the conditions, they tend to be chronic uh, for most people, especially when you're developing at an older age. So most of the patients that we have, they tend to be on medication uh, for a long time, um, usually indefinite, unless there's a reversible uh, uh, situation. For example, some of my patients' blood pressure was quite high uh, because they gained a lot of weight or they, they, they were like, you know, eating out all the time. And we change the risk factors, then uh, we can uh, scale back on the medication or even stop stopping them.
1: Okay. okay. Mary, thanks for your call. Okay. Thank you very much. Hey, Mary. Have a good day. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay. We've got uh, Steve in
2: Toronto. Hi, Steve. Hi, Libby. Hi, doctor. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you. Thanks for calling in. Okay. I'm uh, diabetic mm-hmm. and I have uh, high blood pressure mm-hmm. and, I just wa- and I'm 50 years old. I just want to know what should I do? Go to, uh, go to work out in the gym or what should I do? Well, yeah, these are great questions. And, you know, as we're all getting older, uh, day by day, all of us do, and, uh, you know, uh, the, the chronic disease such as pressure, diabetes, uh, as well as cholesterol problem becomes more and more uh, likely. Uh, these particular effects on ethnic groups, uh, and especially South Asians and, and uh, also uh, Aboriginals, uh, as well as uh, people from Afro-Caribbean backgrounds. So those are the, the situations we see. But at the same time, um, it's important if, uh, to make sure that you see your family doctor and have them diagnosed early and be followed. And if your doctor uh, recommend taking medication, you should take them regularly. And uh, don't stop them by yourself. And the the more important thing on our own uh, we have to take responsibilities of our health on, into our own hands. So, uh, eating healthily, as well as exercising regularly and maintaining a good weight, uh, those are all good advice. And uh, you know, it's a it's a lifelong project to keep ourselves healthy. <laughs> Thank
1: you. Okay, thanks a lot. Thank you very
2: much. Take care. Thanks for you. calling Bye. in.
1: Okay, uh, we have a few minutes left. We've got
4: Sophie in Hamilton. Hi, Sophie. Uh, good afternoon to both of you. Thank you. Um, Doctor, uh, a question, I have had three stents, the last Mm -hmm. one has been last May, now I still have jaw pain, tooth pain, it goes all the way to my ears and chest pain, Mm -hmm. I am taking um, nitro uh, when when it's very bad and yet my doctor tells me there's nothing else they can do. Mm -hmm. Can you help me please?
2: So um, these are the situations um, we do encounter, and uh, um, it's harder to make all these uh, suggestions over the phone. Um, listening to the story, uh, there's a few possibilities. One is um, there may be uh, other vessels blocked that are quite small, uh, that are not uh, amendable or not treatable uh, by using stents. Uh, or they're not accessible by uh, the way that we normally conventionally uh, fix them. So that's one possibility. The other possibility is that this thing may not be related to your heart. So despite the fact that you have blockages, they may or may not be related to the heart. So those are the two possibilities. worthwhile for you to um, talk to your family doctor as well as your cardiologist and sort out of which one is the likely situation. And and also, you know, there are lots of other um, cardiologists in different especially in the large teaching hospital where we specialize in um, difficult cases where you can get a second opinion as well
1: that's very good advice because uh, if things go on for a long time and you haven't got an answer there's always a second opinion and 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 often you know people are afraid of offending their doctor and that's really not the case uh, it's a standard thing to ask for a second opinion and you you shouldn't hesitate to do that if you haven't got got an answer that works for you, correct?
4: Thank you. Um, A question, if I have an MRI or anything else, does does, does anything show? Can you see
2: anything with any x-rays? yeah usually for 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 blockages we we tend to use uh coronary angiograms the ones that we inject dye directly into the arteries because you have stents already uh doing c t uh scan or mRI uh, with the stent is hard to actually see within the stent uh because of the artifacts so um so again, uh, and then there are other non-invasive tests that one can do, for example, uh, stress ultrasound or stress nuclear test that can look at whether there's, there are any residual uh, blockages or, or burden uh, of lack of blood supply to your heart.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, thank and, you uh,
2: very the much. Yeah, I okay. know that's very difficult for you.
1: Okay, you're very welcome. Thanks, Sophie. Thank you very much. Okay, uh Doctor, we have uh about um a minute left, so just wrap things up for us. There's obviously been a big rush of people who want to talk to you. I think we're going to have to schedule another uh another interview on heart health. Just a uh, bottom line for people to take away from this study, please.
2: Yeah, I think you know, um it's of interest to note um, you know, not um, the uh, health care that we have are not distributed equally. Yeah. Uh, some places have more than the others. It's important uh, for us to actually uh, take it upon ourselves to uh, have uh, regular visits with our family doctor. We we do have a very good uh, healthcare system uh, in terms of um, uh, this public health situation and uh, being able to access our doctor. And, uh, and um, it, it takes it upon ourselves to actually make sure we make the visit and actually uh, see the doctor and have your uh, regular checkup.
1: Okay, Dr. Ming Chow from St. Michael's Hospital, thank you so much for this. Well, thanks for having me. Okay, bye-bye. Take care, bye.
0: You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio.